And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Won't stop! Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, as the First Order tightens its grip on the Colossus, you guys can't see it, but I tightened my fist when I said tightened, because it's dramatic, the pressure mounts for Kaz and Sonara. There will be... Niku fights the man! There's a great elevator scene, and OP Pit is in a rage! We're talking about the First Order occupation this week. Hi, I'm Hope Monax, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Chris Honeywell. Hi! I awesome. rarely get called lovely, but I'm fine with that. I actually almost called you my cooperator. <laughs> Lo- lovely is the first name of our of our mayor in, in my town. Oh, is that the one that you guys got kicked out? Yeah, every, we're all... No, she's still mayor. Everybody's mad at her, but her name's lovely. <laughs> oh, oh, well, anyway. Um, <laughs> but we are not alone this week. We are joined by one of my absolute favorite people in the entire world, and she is the host of the Geeky Bubble podcast, where they talk about their love for animation. She is a hardcore stan of Ezra Bridger and one of the brightest, most positive lights in the Star Wars fandom. Welcome back to the show, Jonna Marie. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been a while, because we had you on for, what, a season two episode of Rebels. Uh, Yeah, I think that's what it was. So it's, yeah, yeah, it definitely has been a while. Oh, it was, it was the clone episode, yeah, with, like, Rex Gregor and yeah. uh, Wolf. Uh, yes, yeah, so many good memories. <laughs> well, well, how you been? Good, good. I'm excited to just be back in the Star Wars community and talk about some of my favorite things with, with awesome people, like your, like you guys. I mean, and you took, a, like, a little break, and you, you uh, had some fun in the Star Trek fandom. Yes, I still do from time to time. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the Star Trek world this year, which I'm super excited about. But I'm also excited for what's upcoming for Star Wars with the Bad Batch. I have to ask, because so in the Trek fandom, what are you excited coming up in that? Yeah, so season two of Lower Decks, Star Trek Lower Decks, is uh, an animated show, mainly geared towards like an adult audience, um, sort of like... Not really like Rick and Morty, but that style. Um, so that's what that show is about, and I'm looking forward to that coming back. Um, there's also season four, season four of Star Trek Discovery, which they just recently finished filming. So they said that they're going to put out the season by the end of the year. So I'm super excited for that as well. And Star Trek Prodigy is another cartoon uh, uh, cartoon show, but it's mainly aimed at a younger audience, which is exciting because they haven't really done that before. The last time there was something animated like that was for the original series generation, which, you know, we haven't, I haven't seen those episodes at all. So I'm super excited that Star Trek is diving into that side of their um, shows and just bringing in a whole new audience uh, at such a young age. And uh, you were saying for, you guys are 
you're excited for Bad Batch, and you guys are coming back with the Keep Up with Bad Batch, right? Yes, we are. So I'm super excited to Yay. be talking again with my mom about the the new series, and hopefully we'll be flailing because I love Hunter, so I'll be flailing all the time about Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, because it has been a while since you've been on our show, if someone has never heard of the Geeky Bubble, what is it? Yeah, so it's a mother-daughter or daughter-mother, whichever way you want to put it, podcast. A A daughter-mother. A dother. It's a family podcast. (laughs) It is a family podcast. Yeah, it's aimed um, at just anyone who is a huge fan of the animated shows or just wants to see what that side of Star Wars is about. And yeah, we just talk about and share our commentaries about the animated shows. The last time we had, we were talking about the final se- season of Star-, Star Wars The Clone Wars. Now, you love Resistance. Yes. What is it about this show that you love? Because I, I, I listened to all your episodes covering this. I, I know some of your favorites, which is why I asked you to be on this episode. <laughs> It's so funny because earlier I was telling my friend that I'm, I was watching this episode and I said, oh, my God, it's, it feels so good to hear Pyre's voice again because <laughs> I love Pyre. And, yeah, so Commander Pyre and Sonara San, San, or, yeah, San are, her, are my favorite characters. And I just adore those two, even though they're on two extremes of, you know, the good guy versus bad guy. Spectrum. <laughs> I mean, I remember listening to your episode, and you were like, I don't normally like villains, but Pyre. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you know what it is? It's because of the voice actor, actor Liam McIntyre, who is just, I, I just adore that guy. And I first um, saw him in Spartacus years ago, and so I, I, was a, I became a huge fan, and I was so happy when he became uh, the voice actor for this character. And he was also in um that uh, the games the game i forget what the video game is called now the one with uh cal castus oh fallen order yeah thank you i can't believe i completely blanked out on that but yes he was he's in that as well he actually plays like the like fallen to the dark side asshole jedi who's just like i killed the night brothers (laughs) he has that voice where he can be the bad guy in anything Surprise, asshole! See, now, guy. No, we always knew that. <laughs> okay, so say there was an episode of Resistance where, like, Pyre got his helmet knocked off, and he totally like was some just lumpy faced guy who looked nothing like the voice actor or like you pictured. <laughs> would that would that spoil it for it? Or is it better with the that he like has a mask on all the time? So, you know, it's. It's funny that I, my friend and I would would try to imagine what he would look like underneath the helmet and try to stay away from the voice actor. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it'd matter for me. <laughs> I just love the voice. Uh-huh. The voice as long as he was like, talking, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep talking. It's funny because I've been um, I've been in a, uh, I have a group chat with some friends about all the High Republic stuff, and one of the main villains of the High Republic is Marshawn Rowe. And we haven't seen his face yet. He he's wearing all these different kind of helmets, but they've teased us with everything else. Like he has these like huge, thick, muscular arms, and these like amazing nails. And he's mm. a fashion icon and wearing like jackets with furs. Mm. But we don't know what he looks like. And I just keep going for the love of everything. Please don't let him be goofy. Um, please don't give him a goofy face. <laughs> excuse me. What if what if Pyre got hit in the throat with a munition and it 
damaged his larynx and he oh, couldn't no. talk, would you not like him anymore? Why are we putting oh, her in this position? No. That's so. That's such a terrible headcanon. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, uh, I don't know. I, don't I was know how trying to. to I was trying to play the character of the toadiest, like act, um, actually guy. What if he goes oh, do you from really, like? Do you really he like? Sounds like uh, he sounds like. He goes from Liam McIntyre to Danny DeVito. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! You know what it is too is other than the voice, and like you said, I I'm not a huge I'm not into bad guys. Like I'm always rooting for the underdog, the good guys, and so it was very weird for me to go, dive into that side of myself. I'm like, wow, I I, I never thought this was that this existed. So, <laughs> um, oh, for my oh, life, that's all. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's what hope's all about. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> But Thron, uh, but I was gonna say Thron, but Pyre, um, I I just I love how he is just bad and isn't apologetic about it, or uh, you know, there there's nothing to him that's redeemable, at least from what we've seen. And I like that because there are times where I'm just like, I just want bad guys to be bad guys. He owns it. I don't yeah. need their origin story. I don't need you know to feel you know compassion or pity or anything like that. I just I just want to see a bad guy be a bad guy, and I, I like that Pyre encompassed that. I mean, that's kind of like what I love about like Tarkin. You're supposed yeah. to not like him. Like he, there is nothing redeemable there about him. Nothing likable about him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Other than Peter Cushing, who is wonderful. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, but Peter Cushing has also made a career out of playing those characters, too. So it's, it's yeah. like, doubly delicious seeing Peter Cushing playing, a like, a, a loathsome character because it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, like to see it. what is it about Star Wars Resistance as a show? What do you love about this show? The, the show itself, I just love that. Lucasfilm animation just continues to push the envelope and just um, experiments with different styles. So I like how they, you know, thought about doing it differently than what they've done before. And as for the show itself, the content, I just, I, I like how it wasn't fully focusing on the sequels because at the time the sequels and I were just like not really getting along. Like I enjoyed them for what they were, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't dive into them regularly to I, I would go to the prequels so uh I, I i thank star wars resistance for oh you know giving us a bigger idea of what's going on outside of what's happening in the movies and it actually helped in me going back to so the, you know, the Fortress Awakens, Last Jedi, to really appreciate what they were trying to portray in those movies. So uh, I think that's what Star Wars Resistance is. So imp- that's why it's important to me because I feel like it helped me in seeing what the prequels are, or the sequels are all about. I I keep comparing the show to the Star Wars novels, but brought to life because if you look at like Star Wars novels, it's just about, like, a couple of characters and, like, a corner back alley of a universe. And they usually the novels don't impact the rest of the universe. Like, if you take something like... Like, like Master and the Master and Apprentice is one that I keep going back to because it's just a story about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan on a planet for, like, three days. And it doesn't change anything in the canon. But Mm. it's just a moment, you know, of, of this time. And that's what Resistance reminds me so much of, because Clone Wars and Rebels were made to change canon. This is about just showing people existing. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like a slice of life. You know, what's going on here in this part of the, the galaxy? Yeah, Hashtag 20. And Hashtag it was like, we were... hope is, <laughs> hope is, this is, <laughs> I'm going to push this forever. <laughs> You're saying, Chris, I'm sorry. Well, it's like, we, it's like why we liked all, a lot of the, um, stuff that involved like the lower levels of Coruscant and Clone Wars and stuff. Like oh that. yeah. You, know, you would just get a, yeah. ta- you got a taste of this in, in Clone Wars and this lets you just settle into that world and, that's really cool because that's sort of something I've always wanted to do with Star Wars is just sort of explore every the everyday world, you know? Yeah. And you get little tastes yeah. of it here and there. People, like, walk by it or something. Or, or like, the Martez sisters and they're in a laundromat. Or there's stuff like the comics that, that <laughs> some of the comics and the books and the stuff, you know, would, would, like, Star Wars tales always had stories that were, you know, taking place with the band in the cantina and stuff. And... Or you know, or just stories that took place in universe that had nothing to do with anything at all. But they were always little, little segments. And this is the first running, running thing that doesn't have um, any any foothold in, except for just existing while the larger narrative is happening. It's not about you know the turning forces of the the force and the larger political and you know governmental structure it's just sort Mm -hmm. of it's life at the gas station and how it's affected by all that stuff yeah Yeah. life at the gas station that's true (laughs) it's a a space quick trip it really is it has its pizza corner it has its gas area you know if if it's like a loves oh my gosh oh my god have you guys heard of reality shifting no yeah tiktok is all over that yes (laughs) Now, I'm a fan of quantum physics, and this is, like, the dumbest, like, dumbest sort of, like, take on, like, quantum, you know, quantum physics and, you know, observing reality and creating your own <laughs> hope. There are people who th- who are, like, going to bed at night and creating their own universe where they can go to, mostly Hogwarts. That seems to be the big, <laughs> it seems to be big amongst, like, 12 to 14-year-olds. You know, sort of thing, but like. Oh, I've seen older people too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, they try to manifest themselves into a different universe. And there's all these breathless videos of people like I was there and I had memories and I was making out with Draco Malfoy and he was my boyfriend and then he went away and I was just hanging out at the just hanging out at the table with Harry Potter And, and yeah. But I would love to fade, I would love to reality shift into like onto the onto the sta- onto the space gas station and just nice. get a dishwasher job there and observe and just like watch. I I would probably want to hang out with uh, Buffy the Floor s- Slayer. Yeah. Would be my my pal. I can never I remember his name. And I still don't know what the hell you're talking about. My other podcaster, um, Dario, yeah. I was talking about something else that was sort of about people going into other dimensions and stuff, and it was sort of one of those, like, internet reality games, and he was like, 
oh, like reality shifting. My kid just told me about it. It's on TikTok. And then he sent me a couple links. And, and like, he was really tired at the end of the podcast. It was like one in the morning. I'm like, send me that link. He's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, send it to me now. <laughs> because I have to watch this before I go to bed because I have to see this. And then I watched like 10, 10 videos and, and went to bed with a, not a headache, but yeah. Bit of a throbbing. I think the reason why it sounds like so confusing to me because I'm a writer and I'm just like, but I always live in my character's head in this entire reality at all Correct. times. <laughs> right, right. I guess it's for the people who who are just ex- who live life without that kind of imagination and just want to just get out of it, get out I mean, of life. Right I have now. open right now like a fan fiction I'm working on, um, and I and like beforehand I was just like talking to myself as the character working through the scene as if like the droid that was in the room with was with me because i was just talking mm-hmm. through the scene <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> just you guys describe my life anyway we should get on with the episode you guys ready yeah i'm ready all right i'm ready hold on uh, my window is open and it's getting cold let me just close the window and uh, uh okay we're gonna oh, wheel back to my chair uh, there we go sorry <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do that while we were talking. All right. The First Order Occupation is the 15th episode of Star Wars Resistance, and it aired on February 3rd, 2019. Does 2019 not feel like it was, like, 10 years ago? (laughs) Yes, it does. Right? Every time I write that this was 2019, I'm just like, oh, that was, like, a decade. (laughs) It was written by Kevin Burke and Chris Wyatt, and it was directed by Bosco Ng. Some extra information for you. The Colossus Identification Badge design is based on the ID badges worn by employees at the Letterman Digital Arts Center, where Lucasfilm Animation is based. The first act originally ended with the scene of the stormtroopers in Yeager's garage, but this was moved earlier in the edit, in part to keep the drama focused on Sonara's story. The elevator scene, which is the best scene of this episode, <laughs> uh, was a late addition during editing and adding a fun bit of closure to Obi Pitt's drama having his floor scrubber confiscated. The shot of Sonara's pod launching is a visual nod to the launch of the escape pod in Star Wars A New Hope, which was one of the very first shots ever completed by Industrial Lights and Magic. And finally, as Sonara's escape pod flips away from the Colossus, we get our first, albeit murky, look at just how big the station is below the surface of the water. When the concept art when concept art was released for this episode, fans were able to see that so far on the ship we'd only been in the top part and there was a lot more to it. <laughs> And so I, I, I want to know here, I remember this because all the podcasts, I, I think you guys talked about it. And I know Sky, Talker, Sky Talkers and uh, Friends of the Force talked about this, too, when this episode came out. They saw this concept art and we realized this ship is freaking massive. It's <laughs> yeah. huge. And that's when a lot of fans started wondering if there was, like, something more to the Colossus. That's when people were like, does this thing fly? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, that's the, I, I think they sh- I think that shot was... I, I think that 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 shot was purposeful to get people its visual storytelling. It was it was setting setting up the future, you know. It was so funny because I went the opposite route and I said, "Oh my god, what if this is a submarine?" <laughs> that <laughs> would like be awesome. See, like a pirate ship. <laughs> Can you imagine if it just like sunk into the water just and they like, were 
right under. Yeah, just like shut the fir- shut the first order out on the on the deck, and then just went bloop. <laughs> That's kind of what they do in the finale. They just kind of flush them all out and just go bloop. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I didn't write a Yoda question. Sorry. I'm sorry, Yoda. I forget. I've had a week. I'm sorry. No question for you. Yoda has a question. Yeah. Where is mom? <laughs> Hi. Good to see you again. It is good. Yes. Mm, where's mom? By the way, Jana, we started doing this now with our guests. Here's your complimentary water bottle. Yeah. And and all you have to do is just go <laughs> and Yoda will... There you go. We now have to, have to guess now because of the fact that he sat on mom's lap. That's hilarious because I'm actually holding a water bottle right <laughs> now. Mm, I wish you guys could see me. Mm, funny, funny. <laughs> um, but she's currently in, a, in another dimension working as a professor in Hogwarts. <laughs> So that Dobby, Dobby gets mom. <gasps> yeah, Dobby is with Maria. You. <laughs> mm, oh. Funny looking he is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look who's talking, sir. <gasps> oh, shots fired! <laughs> A couple weeks ago, this very um other mom green. Say that. No. <laughs> couple weeks ago, this other green frog-looking fellow who sounded awfully a lot like Yoda. Personal trainer, yes. Kidnapped Yoda and took over, and he was, it was weird because he was all pleasant and talking about his girlfriend who was a pig and his best blue alien friend, and it Uh, was very surreal because we had no idea where our Yoda was. Still in in coma, he is. (laughs) Yeah, he got iced. His, 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 uh, just, Yoda just had to talk to his wife, Miss Gamorian Guard. Mm. But, Yoda, I'm so sorry that Maria's not here, but we do have Jana, and we love her just as much, and I will Yes, won't... just as much, just as I much won't... as Mom. Mm. I won't subject you, Jana, to you, so I will tell you what, after the show, you can sit on my lap. Make you feel better. Yoda does not trust you. Will be, you can. I will. You get a whole. Let's see. 90 seconds. Uh, Yoda knows if you will stinge out on seconds. Yoda I, wants all 90 seconds. All 90 seconds mm. worth. I will. And I will even pat your head. <laughs> mm, pat? A pat? Pat your head, like Mom as if you were one Yoda's of my cats. Head. As if you're one of my cats, I will, I will pet your head. Cool. A lizard for Yoda to eat, maybe. My cat did actually catch a lizard oh. earlier this week. Oh, <laughs> give to Yoda, yes. So yes, but for right now, just go, go run along, and yeah. we'll go ahead and. Uh, Mom. <laughs> Bye, Yoda. Uh, he's gonna forget in the next hour. It's like... so he was oh, so okay. excited. He was so excited. <laughs> I can't believe you had like a water bottle 
in your hand. At the I same did. Time. <laughs> gonna take a sip. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna say spray bottle, but water bottles work too. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys ready to get into Act One? Yes. I'm ready. <clears throat> we open on the Colossus, and it's gorgeous, and there are these, like, fish bird things flying around, and it's beautiful, but then we hear this god-awful, horrible sound, and it's just like, Wah! that's the sound of a TIE fighter, apparently, and the TIE fighter is just like, I'm now zooming around the Colossus, and meanwhile, during all of this, our wonderful pirate mom, Pirate Mom Sonarasan is like, fuck, I gotta get off the station, brah. These First Order troopers are showing up everywhere. So she's she's at the main desk, and she's like, hey, robot dude, can I have a ticket? And the robot's like, sorry, no tickets. The First Order has locked down everything. And Sonara's like, you're dead to me. But you can't be dead because you're a robot, so whatever. She walks away. Doing all this. Kaz, Niku, and Tam are in the marketplace, and they're like, let's get lunch, but the First Order is just like, stop, citizens, and they turn around, the First Order is just like, hey, you, alien, because we don't do this to humans, because that's our jam, and I, I have notes about that later, you, alien, what are you doing here, and the, the alien citizen's like, I live here, brah, <laughs> like, what the fuck, and they're like, you're not allowed to live here, and he's like, uh, so during all this, Kaz is like, hey, you, stop, and the First Order is like, you got something to say to me? And Kaz is like, I didn't think this all the way through. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hi. But nothing happens because Niku comes in. He's like, hello, Mr. First Order person. This is my friend Kazuna Ziona. He is, I think, 20 years old. I don't know Kaz's age. We're going to say he's like 19 or 20. Also, his favorite color, you would think his favorite color would be green, judging by his jacket. But it's actually mango. And during all this, the alien finds his ID, and he's like, look, I told you I live here, brah. This is my house. And Kaz and Sonara, not Sonara, Sonara's not there. Kaz and Tamaniku run away. And during all this, like, Kaz is like, oh, I can't believe these stormtroopers are here. This sucks. And Tam's like, what? They're fine. And Kaz is like, we're going to have an awkward rest of the season, aren't we? And she's like, yeah, we are awkward rest of the season just wait till i leave your ass in the finale he's like what and camp's like what and they don't talk about it it's fine during all this best dad captain doza is all like hey goldie and kyra's like don't call me goldie he's like i'm gonna call you whatever the hell i want because your men are stepping on my toes pyre and pyre's like you asked us to come here dude I don't know what to tell you. And Doza's like, I used to work for the Empire. I know what you're doing. Empire's like, then you should be smarter about it. Anyway, back at Yeager's Grudge. Kaz is in a rage because he's like, oh, these First Order people are really getting in my way because of all their spying stuff. And I don't want to be found out of spy. And Yeager's like, you should just, like, lay low, kid. Like... For reals. Just just be a mechanic. We spent all season teaching you how to fix a ship. This is the time to learn to really put that to use. But uh-oh, Stormtroopers show up at Yeager's Mechanic, and they're all like, hey everybody, what's going on? I'm Stormtrooper 1, this is Stormtrooper Bob, and this is Stormtrooper Joe. And Joe's like, hi, I'm Joe. And they're like, no one cares, Joe! Get out! <laughs> And Stormtrooper 1 is just like, we are looking for spies. And Kaz is like, there's no spies here! What's a spy? I don't even... How do you even spell spy? Like, S-P-I? I don't even know. <laughs> and it turns out, they're looking for a pirate spy. And, and 
Cass is just like, oh no, that's Sonara. Yes, I know. And they know about Kaz and Sonara having been around Torres Dosa's room last week's episode. And last week's episode, they were all like, oh no, Torres been kidnapped. And Kaz was like, uh, we were just, you know, hanging out, you know, no reason to suspect us being spies. You said anything about spies, it's fine. And during all this, he's like, BBA, I gotta warn her. And BBA, it's like, oh, okay, let's go. So Kaz runs down to the salvagers' place, and there's the stormtroopers, but he has no clue how to warn Sonara, saying that he knows that she's a pirate spy. So he follows her around the back hallways, and he sees her call Kragen. And Captain Kragen face is just like, sorry, uh, I'm just gonna have to leave you there. The First Order backstabbed us. And Sonara's like, what the hell, bro? You can't just leave me here. And he's like, yeah, we can. We're pirates. So... Kaz hears that bit that the First Order betrayed the pirates, and now Sonara's on her own. So all he has to do is, like, help her somehow without telling her, but it's extra creepy because as he's coming to this, like, I don't know, like, this Shakespearean soliloquy that he's talking to himself, in the background, he sees citizens of the Colossus getting arrested by stormtroopers. What did everyone think of Act 1? Wow. <laughs> well, then. Well... Uh, I, I don't. Just have, uh-huh. I don't write off the summaries anymore. This is so much easier, but also so messy. It's fine. <laughs> um, I just I I love the the fact that Sonara has uh, like a full arc <laughs> happening right now. Well, at least part of it is happening right now, where she realizes that um, that she's a good guy. And so, uh, and, you, and Kaz knows that, which is why he's, he feels like I have to do something about the fact that these the stormtroopers know that Sonara is this, the pirate spy. So I, I appreciate Kaz's enthusiasm <laughs> and his uh, wit and, you know, the strategy that's going through his mind to try to uh, uh, help her. That's, that's actually one of my favorite things about this show is how it kind of like blurs a lot of lines. Um, something we were talking about actually last week is the backwards found family because the pirates are Sonara's found family, but they're actually not good for her and toxic. So true. And then she's found a new found family. So it's like a found family versus a found family. Um, and we start kind of blurring those lines, like, yeah, she's a pirate, but she's a good person. And we kind of start getting that more with Tam, especially in this episode, because she's like, well, the First Order is good. And in a few episodes, we know that Tam's grandfather worked for the Empire, so she actually has a very positive view of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that the show does so well, is blurring those kind of lines. Yeah, yeah, I also found it interesting how Tam, I, I think it was at this point, or some point, around here where she says that, you know, the stormtroopers are just doing their job. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I remember thinking, like, oh, well, that's not good enough, Tam. <laughs> that's not, that's not, I mean, what what kind of excuse is that? Yeah. And it's sad that she doesn't see how other people are being affected. And you can say that a lot of, uh, you can say that about people nowadays. Like, they don't see how a certain group are being affected by whatever is going on at this point in time, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean, she's also young, and she grew up like yeah, grew up believing believing all that. So she's she's bent to you know from her point of view, she's bent towards being sympathetic to that you know, 
And she's also sort of operating in a world that's not politically neutral. It's involved in the politics of the time, but it's not like, you know, people aren't fighting over the... They're they're sort of like, well, if the First Order is going to keep keep the pirates off us that that sounds good you know that works out to our advantage it's Mm -hmm. the 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 discourse isn't like you know she's not part of the resistance or anything and the resistance isn't over you know in the first order well now the first order is hanging out but the resistance wasn't really hanging out there so something that chris often tells me and it kind of reminded me of this um he often tells me that reality isn't Twitter. Reality isn't social media. Um, and you, to kind of put this in context of this, um, like kind of like Kaz is doing would be like the people who are like social media active and stuff like that. We have to get involved and stuff. And Tam's that blue collar worker. She's just trying to make a living, but yeah. she's not involved yeah. in that day to day. And she's rep. She represents like the majority of, the galaxy, like she, True. she is the the Martez sisters. You know, they don't care what the Senate or the Jedi are doing. They're just yeah. trying to survive. Yeah, all politicians are just sort of heaped into uh, one category of you know generic, you know, idiots and and corrupt people. You know, and sort of take them as they co- take them as they come one at a time. You know, oh, I don't know. This Palpatine seems to be the right guy. Right? You know, he doesn't seem to be screwing up too bad. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Give Palps a chance. I also yeah, love how this. Uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, it's it's gonna jump off completely from where we're talking. What what we're talking about now? Is that we okay? Dive in head first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that I love how the trooper that starts interrogating Op Pit is Dave Filoni. <laughs> Oh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I always call him the, the Filoni Trooper. Like, the Filoni Trooper just took O.P. Pitt's uh, floor sweeper, <laughs> floor I, scrubber. Did I ever tell you my theory about all the Steve Bloom stormtroopers? Oh, no. Are they all brothers? Because <laughs> um, I think it's the, the new trooper. Like, so we'll get to that episode in a couple a couple episodes, but the one where Kaz poses as a stormtrooper. That's right, yeah. It's, Steve Bloom voiced the trooper, the armor, like the person that he took the armor off of, and so I had this like really dumb theory because Steve Bloom also voiced all the stormtroopers and rebels. That these are their descendants, and like they're the rebel stormtroopers' great grandchildren are all these stormtroopers. <laughs> That's so funny. I just, I just like that Dave Filoni gave him his floor buffer and he took it away. He did, and I just I wanted to know like what was going through that trooper's mind. Like, why did you feel the need to take it? What what was what was it about this floor scrubber that you thought it was dangerous enough to take away? I, I thought this I thought the same about a lot of stuff, but I think like all I could think of about that is maybe they were just told to go over there and you know bully everybody around to show them who's boss now that That's they're true. officially there. It was a yeah. little like because this first act is sort of almost like a Reader's Digest like laying out of you know fascist force coming in they they have to do it in shorthand and then, so you have like you have somebody saying that something like ah what do you what do we have to worry about if you have nothing to hide um and they're just here to keep us safe you know 
and and it's and then when they get there they you know everybody's got to show id and they're just generally being jerks to everybody but they have guns <laughs> which they point at everybody and yeah. it, it, it just is it just sort of sets up that that shorthand of like yeah things are different on the colossus as of right now <laughs> yeah and actually now that you mentioned the ids the first time I saw it, and actually just rewatching it today, I thought that's very similar to uh, this thing that happened when I was younger, where my my father is of a darker complexion, and he would always tell me, you know, carry your ID, um, you know, just make sure that you have your stuff on you. Not not that that I in New York City ever experienced anything like that, but my dad would be adamant that I would carry this stuff around. Um, so to see that reminded me of, of that childhood experience. And I, and I feel like a lot of people experience that nowadays where they feel like they need to show that they're here, that they are, are, are a citizen of this country. I mean, that doesn't even always work because didn't just a few weeks ago, we had a black man in full army regalia so true. So get, true get racially profiled and you know we're dancing around one of my act three notes so i'm just going to go ahead and get to it um in act three like i said we'll get to it niku and sonara have a conversation and she amiri allen says that the stormtroopers don't like people like her and she's right. talking about her being a pirate but niku brings up that the empire stormtroopers didn't like his people referring to the aliens and if we look at this act all the people that the first order are rounding up and bullying are the aliens on the colossus mm-hmm. the the dude in the marketplace is a rodian and then we see the godel um being are they go- the go- goats man they're called godels the goat, the goat that, man kisses actually. up to him too at the beginning. The goat man's being like, "We love you guys," and the, the, then the, yeah. at the end, you see him like, "No, don't put yeah. me in space prison." And it's it's a really interesting way that they're like kind of exploring this like coded racism, mm-hmm. um, but they're using it through the speciesism of the aliens of and. The show is so coded into our real world. I, I would say more than Clone Wars and Rebels ever was. Like, Clone Wars oh, yeah. and Rebels touches on it, but this goes all in. Well, you can't... I don't think you can avoid do it, do it because they've they've sort of already set it up very similar to, like, say, Moss Eisley or something like that, which is just... Or, you know, if it was... Um, Oh, what the hell is why? Why can't I remember that most famous American movie with Humphrey Bogart? But Casablanca, you know, you're in Casablanca, and it's like all the the you know castoffs from every every corner of the earth are all there, you know, and uh, you know, and and who are the and the Nazis are are rousting all the you know all the all the riffraff, you know, quote unquote. So it, it, it's it, like, since you said it, you can't show like the stormtroopers and stuff coming in and doing that without having that be a, a strong component of it. And it's just, I mean, it's one of, I mean, one of the advantages of, of that's what's great about fiction is you can talk about something like that without having it take over the story while having it be right there, you know, mm-hmm. in the story. I mean, you yeah. have the goat man screaming, like, this is my home, yeah. I live here, these are my rights, and that's chilling. 
because that's essentially what Nazi Germany did to their own people, being the Jews, like ousting them from their own homes. Yeah. Mm. Oh, the show's so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah, that's true. Chris, what were some of your notes for Act One? Well, I got two of them down. I only have one other note, and it's just kind of uh, uh, one of the first, like, just mystifying writing things ever. Did you catch? I think it was Cragen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Cragen who said something like, uh, "You know, I, I can't. We can't even come within four kilometers of the space station." Oh, yeah. And I was like, "What? What? <laughs> kilometers? Are you going to stop at McDonald's on your way there too? What's going on here? Kilometers? Who says kilometers in Star? They have kilometers in Star Wars. Yeah. They what if don't a kilometer use, uh... was like a light year? They don't use uh, 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 miles and stuff like that. They've always no. used kilometers. I've I've never heard anybody say kilometers in Star Wars before. You know I... what? I didn't pick that up before. I didn't. It actually just it just yeah. I didn't pick up on that. I've heard clones say clicks and clicks. stuff like that, yeah. and I'm not really sure what they use. You know, I I mean I've heard people use a lot of. Uh, space terms and stuff you know for you know long distances in space you know and and stuff like that that just sort of randomly makes sense but i you know i've i've i don't recall ever hearing anybody say feet or inches or you know, miss me by an inch or anything like that Wait a second, re- this is a water planet. They would be using nautical miles. Yeah, you would leagues or something. Oh, yeah. Space leagues. <laughs> Yeah, this is a water planet. <laughs> well, I got the impression, I mean, they don't really touch on this here, but uh, Cragen gave me the impression that he comes from another planet, like well, Vancor. I think yeah, he mentioned yeah. well, it at some point. I think everybody there's from another planet, actually. So there's, you would think, like, I, I, they don't seem to talk about any, like, the only natives seem to be, like, Bebo's mom attacking. Oh, yeah. You know, there, there don't the seem to be folk, any indigenous. The from there. Are they? Oh, okay. Oh, the Shaladai, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, like, yeah, so the, so they should have, like, nautical measurements and stuff, but everybody else should have, you would think, would have some sort of space. Like, on Earth, <laughs> that, like, a kilometer would be sort of, like, you're the most general standard, I think, through the whole world of, like, distance or something, but... Yeah, I, just, I, just, I wondered if that was just a sloppy bit of writing or if they purposely wanted kilometers in there or whatever, but I thought that was strange. Maybe they just didn't have a name for it and thought, you know what, we'll just put it in we'll, there. We'll change it on <laughs> the second one. Well, outside of the U.S., it'll be fine. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll run it, you know, we'll run it through the, you know, the we'll run it through someone on the second draft and then nobody caught it after that. I can um, totally see it. <laughs> but that's the all I really other, had for the first the first part. The only other note I kind of had um, is, is, and it's one of those things that struck me, like, now that The Mandalorian is out, um, it was, I, I enjoyed seeing the through line of from The Mandalorian to here, where we see, like, the dying breaths of the Empire, and, like, the stormtroopers, like, they're dirty, their armor's kind of busty, they're, like, they're, it's kind of janky and stuff, and they're just kind of trying to cobble everything together. Versus here, 
where the First Order clearly knows what they're doing. They're infiltrating with ease. They clearly have power. We know that they have star killer bases coming. And it's like, what, 25 years between the two of these? 30 years or something? Um, but I kind of like seeing that kind of development of now that the Mandalorian's out, we can see where the Empire was ending versus where the First Order is now. And we can kind of follow that visual through line just from something as simple as like their armor and their weapons and how organized they are. Mm-hmm. But that's all I had for Act 1. Jonna, did you have anything else? Uh, I just, I also love how Kaz smirked when Yeager said that you should just, you should just stay put, stay here. And uh-huh. he's, he's like, oh yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden you see him smirking. <laughs> and I just, I really love how expressive Kaz is and just the, the cast overall and how this particular style just emphasizes those kind of expressions. Yeah, like um, something I I was talking about um, a couple episodes ago was the visual storytelling of Sonara. Um, She will say one thing, and her reactions and actions are completely opposite. And so much of her story is visual storytelling just through her actions and her facial features, but not Mm -hmm. her words. Got it. Yeah. So, and so much of it is the storytelling of this. Or, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the animation of this. Yeah, so true. Star Wars, the animation is the storytelling, the one of the big strong components, the the visual aspect of it. I think with Star Wars, the more you can tell visually without saying anything, the better are better off you are. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Keep going silent because I keep feeling like I have to sneeze and it's not coming. Yeah, I definitely had hard eyes when Commander Pyre's hologram showed up. <laughs> oh, okay, so so Pyre is talking to Best Dad Doza and he's all just like, "Hey, boo," and he's like, "I'm not your boo. I'm married." And Pyre's like, "That's fine. I'm hot enough for the all of us." But yeah, um, I also loved Doza's, but at what cost? Because it obviously emphasizes, is his empire background, has that been revealed? Yes. Okay, got it. So yeah, you know he has that in mind. Yeah, we Um, are looking at the show from the point of view of people who have seen the show. Got Um, it. So uh, the only thing that Chris except the last, the last two episodes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I was well, just we... wondering if it had happened before this or after this because I, I don't really remember. Yeah, it was before this, so we know that. Ah, uh, got it. Yeah, yeah. So I like how that that was in his mind because he knows that the empire and and how they operate is not so different from how the first order operates right now. And that's actually something with Doza. Like I find. It's so easy just to be like, oh, Doza, you're being like, oh, you, you, they totally won you over on this one. But he's actually truly that desperate. And I think going back through the season with a fine tooth comb, pretty much every scene where Doza's like with Yeager, he's like, we need money and we need things fixed. Like, we need things to go. And they've done a really good job framing Doza to where, like, I don't have any options other than this because the New Republic's not here. Yeah. You know? And. They've done a really good job framing Doza that way. I am curious, though. I wish, uh, because of his Imperial background, like, he must have experienced or has knowledge of the Empire 
doing something similar where they're using a third party to uh, get their hands on something, just like how the First Order is using the pirates to be able to be on the station. So I was hoping that some of his Imperial background would kick in and him start strategizing like, oh, maybe it's not just the pirates. Maybe the First Order are cooperating with the pirates. And I was hoping that would hope happen at some point in the series, but I don't think it really does. It's almost as if, you know, they should put the Resistance characters back into the earlier canons and stuff like that. Like, it's absolutely... almost like, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason why, like, Doza and Griff couldn't be in a Darth Vader comic and they experienced something so horrible that they decided to defect. You know, it's not out of the ordinary that they that Vanessa and Yeager could be in a comic with Leia and Hera and be on a mission with them. Like, it's not out of the ordinary for young Hamato, Ziono, a brand new sen- senator getting into the business can show up in The Mandalorian, played by Christopher Sean. I mean, it's like... <laughs> so true, so true. Like, I, I, that, that's just the frustrating part of this. Like, I was actually... Um, I'm going to pull this up because it's so very true. Um, I follow Matt Braley, who is the creator of Amphibia. And we talk about Matt Braley every once in a while on our other podcast. So it means Chris watch cartoons because he was one of the storyboard and directors, storyboard artists and directors for Gravity Falls, which is the current show that we're working on. And um, he retweeted somebody else uh, talking about this but this person who is amy kitty on twitter says maybe i don't have the whole story but i wish animation studios would just simply put everything directly on their streaming service wait is this wait hold on hope might be reading the wrong tweet <laughs> i hope he's reading the wrong tweet sorry 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 back up back up back up <laughs> sorry 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 i hope that's to find the right tweet um pretty much he was talking about how here we go here we go so somebody backing this up, is by Chairman V on Twitter said, forcing cartoon creators to hustle to promote their own work and shows on social media is such bull. Corporations have promotion media teams. It shouldn't have to fall so heavily on the people who make the dang shows. But I also get that for a big fan, there's the allure. You're seeing someone that actually worked on something talking about it. It gives a sense of insider information and personalization. And maybe it's more appealing than a faceless promo account being like, hey, check out our new content. Then Matt Braley, who is the creator of Amphibia, wrote, I 100% agree, but we have found ourselves in a strange era where networks don't promote shows and instead promote subscriptions to their entire service. Our shows don't get ads because we are the ads. Yeah. And then at the time that Resistance was coming out, it was right before Disney Plus was launching. And I wonder if that's what happened to why they didn't push it because already they were moving off of cable and they already had this show made so they were letting it run out so when it came to disney plus they could launch it with clone wars because in this context clone wars was the disney plus promotion they're like come get disney plus to watch clone wars right exactly yeah yeah i have no doubt that that's i mean look at the marvel shows that were on netflix the uh I forget their names now. Jessica like Dare- Jones, yeah, Daredevil. Daredevil. Dogs got canceled before Disney Plus launched. So, yeah, I can see how Resistance got the same treatment. Although the writers gave us the impression that that's where it naturally came to an end. Um, I really, I, I I really that. think that they could have gone farther with it because there's so much more that they could have explored. Is basically um, how, how I would want you know season three and season four to have been so anyway yeah that's it's disappointing 
Yeah, to say the least. But anyway, Act Two. Yes, please. Is Act Two? I'm ready for it. <clears throat> Act Two opens with Kaz turning a corner, and there's our dear, precious OP Pit. And all he wants to do is earn an honest keep and do his job. And he has his beloved floor sweeper. And there, there is Stormtrooper Kevin and Stormtrooper Bob. And they're all just like, are you allowed to have this floor scr- scrubber? I was about to say a floor tweeter. <laughs> it's not a floor tweeter. The, the, the floor sweeper has its own Twitter account. It's fine. Um... And he's like, yes, this is mine. I own this. I work here. And they're like, we're going to have to confiscate that. And OP Pip tries his hardest to not go into, like, Hulk rage. And Kaz is like, oh, no, someone's about to get killed. He's like, I got to get out of here. And he, like, runs by because then, like, when he turns the corner, he hears OP Pip, like, rip his shirt open. And he's just like, and then Stormtrooper Kevin died, but nobody liked him, so it's fine. Anyway. Kaz is running through the hallway, and he's like, BB-8, we're gonna help Sonara. It's gonna be great, and then maybe she'll actually flirt with me. And BB-8's like, boy, you crazy. You know that girl's a lesbian, and that's Tam's girlfriend. You can't <laughs> flirt with her. And he's like, I'm gonna flirt with her anyway. And, he, and BB-8's like, that girl ain't by, hun. But okay, you're just gonna be sad. You guys are in a friend relationship, just FYI. So they get down to the salvagers, and Kaz is like, all right, there's Sonara. I gotta sneak up and be cool, but I don't want to scare her. So he sneaks up on her, and of course that scares her. So she turns around and smacks him in the face. Actually, she punches him, and either way, he's like, Oh, my nose! Ow! And if, if anybody's ever seen a very Potter musical, it's just the Draco Malfoy scene where Cass is just like, Ah! Shh! Ah! Ah! He's like, I'm bleeding! Ah. <laughs> and so he looks at Sonora. You know what I'm talking about. It's a very niche, a very niche reference I just made. <laughs> but you know like she touches her nose and she's like uh and then she holds it up like uh anyway so he's like hey Sonara and she's like Kaz I'm I'm sorry I didn't mean to hit you I just I'm on edge and he's like it's okay I'm here to help you with food and she's like what and he's like you know I just know that some people are looking for food and you know what if we had some biscuits and gravy and these biscuits and gravy were just like oh but we, we gotta go to the hardy's and not the mcdonald's and she's like mcdonald's doesn't sell biscuits and gravy we're not talking about food are we and she's like and he's like i know you're a pirate food and she's like oh gotcha what do we do well then Stormtrooper Bob shows up, and he's like, hey, guess what, everybody? Kevin's dead. That little yellow guy killed him, and all the Stormtroopers are like, yeah, we hated that guy. Anyway, they're looking for Sonara, right? And so, <laughs> Kaz is like, sorry, get in this box. And she's like, okay. So he puts on, like, a welder mask. I can't be a welder's mask. You cannot see through a welder's mask. I used to weld. I know for a fact you can't see through those. He puts on a mask and shoves Sonara in a box, and he starts wheeling her away. And she's like, so... Why are you helping me? And Kaz is like, aside from the giant, massive crush I have on you, you're also a really good person. She's like, oh, that's sweet. I'm dating Tam. Tell her goodbye for me because I won't have a chance to talk to her. And I lost my cell phone. My charger died. She keeps telling me I need to get a new charger. But I'm, I'm, I'm a poor pirate, man. Or am I going to get a new charger out in the middle of the station? And Kaz is like, this is not important. And so they get down to the loading docks, right? And they're like, all right, there's the ship. You're going to get on the ship, and you're going to get out of here, and you're going to be safe, and I'm going to say goodbye to Tam for you, but I might not, so if I don't tell her, you'll break up. And Sonara just kind of looks at him. He's like, you're right. I'm too good of a person 
Fine, I'll say goodbye to Tam for you. But no time for sensitive goodbyes. And Sarah's like, sensitive goodbyes? What the hell are you talking? I'm just going to get on the ship now, you weird child. So BB-8 has to get out, get the ship door open. So he gets up there. And, you know, in all of Star Wars, I've never seen a droid actually trip an alarm. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Ever? But then you remember. Cash is rubbing off of BB-8, that's why. But also, BB-8 has never trusted Sonara since day one, and I always wondered if he did it on purpose. Oh, good point. <laughs> he's never trusted her, and he's just like, oh no, the alarm went off. Oh no. So Kaz is like, Sonara, get on the ship, and he throws her on the ship, and she's like, ah! And he's like, I'll keep out. Run him off! So he goes running down the hallway, and the stormtroopers are like, very obviously, follow that man, and not the ship that was just broken into. So they follow that person, and they're like, I hope we don't lose that man in the very distinct green jacket, and he's the only person who owns a rolly ball droid on the station. If we lose them, we will never, ever find them ever again. <laughs> it's true, right? So Kaz is running, and he turns a corner, and there are boxes everywhere, and he's like, Oh no! I'm trapped. What do you think about too, everybody? <laughs> I, I I never thought about the BBA part and possibly doing it on purpose. I, it's also the droids like, always know in Star Wars. They always know. At the same time, like that would get Kaz caught, which I feel like would go against BBA's like programming. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I feel like BBA is just constantly annoyed by Kaz, so he he probably feel okay by Kaz being captured. Yeah, like, BBA would back. probably definitely be, rather be hanging around with Poe. Yeah, you know? I know. Yeah. If this kid gets captured, I can go home. Nice. <laughs> I can see my girlfriend, CB23. We can go have, like, an oil bath together. It'd be nice. Hey, they're over here. <laughs> so what did you think of Act 2, Jada? Oh, yeah. I just, I love what Kaz said about Sonara. He said, you might be a pirate, but I know you're a good person. And uh, it just really goes to show that uh, Kaz doesn't really... Uh, judge someone just because of who they, you know, the kind of vibes they give off, I guess, um, but just based on their actions. And he knows that Sonara is just uh, just overall a good person, and she hasn't been given the opportunities that she should have been given in life. So um, I'm glad that he's assisting her to, to get her off of the station and risking himself in the process. And it actually very much mirrors something that Yeager said to Kaz earlier, and he's almost, like, re like repeating that to her. Um, I forgot. Maybe I, it might have been the platform classic with Yeager's brother. I don't remember the exact Maybe. episode. Maybe, yeah. But um, he says that Kaz – no, it's the High Tower because it's the first spy episode. Ah, okay. um, Yeager says, you're a really bad spy, but you're a really good person. Mm. Um, and Kaz is like, thanks, Dad. Uh, but it, it, it's kind of true, though, because, like, Kaz has been in this opportunity his entire life that's not his life. You know, his he was in this life that his father wanted for him, but it wasn't the life that Kaz wanted. And he now had it, – it's almost like, um, oh, what is the Campbell story? Like, the magical world? The Campbell circle wheel story? Oh, that, yeah, yeah. Like, the Colossus is kind of like that magical world that the people who come here get to have a new chance to transform themselves. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like the French Foreign Legion or the remote... It's the remote outpost. 
yeah, you go there because you you don't go there because you want to, <laughs> you know, necessarily. <laughs> Everybody there is for a reason, you know, maybe because that's where they can make money, you know. But probably every every probably everybody has a story of how they got there, you know. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at the hero's journey. What is this thing called? <laughs> it's gonna bother me. Where's the wheel? Here's the wheel. Hi, hero's journey wheel. Thanks, Google. Move, move, Skype box. I can see this. Um, oh, it's it's the the magical unknown world. The unknown world. That's where the transformation happens. Um, and the special world. Special. There's like five names for it. But the Colossus kind of is this representation um, of the special special world. And correct me if I'm wrong, um, didn't George Lucas, like, love the Joseph Campbell uh, story? Telling? Yeah, just oh, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, just yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> just a tiny bit. This, so. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was involved in it just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, that's kind of what the Colossus is. Like, people I, come here and they change, either I, for the good. The good or the worse. I have a, a whole giant coffee table book of pictures of the Smithsonian. That there was a like actual Smithsonian exhibit that was basically crossing, you know, showing how Star Wars went through the, you know, crossed with, you know, all the Joseph Campbell stuff, and mm -hmm. you know, sam samurai uniforms next to stormtroopers and Darth Vader and stuff like that and yeah so Hope started college as an English major and left after a semester and became a theater major so I might not be able to tell you much about Joseph Campbell's hero journey but I sure can talk to you a lot about Uta Hagen <laughs> <laughs> So I, and I uh, studied archaeology, so I'm nowhere near any of this. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, where's your Indiana Jones podcast? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny enough. I'm, I I like the Indiana Jones movies, but they're not like my cup of tea. I don't really right. watch them often, um, just because I feel like he's a very exaggerated version oh, yeah. of an, arche uh, an archaeologist. <laughs> I wanted to be an archaeologist so bad when I was a kid. Oh. I remember my my dad used to take me out and we'd go get you know fossil go get trilobites and stuff like that, nice. and then they had yeah. some some major I can't even remember what they were excavating but somewhere somewhere within like forty miles of ours and they had the local college do it and I was like ten years old and I was begging my parents to take me in so I could sign up for it and they're like they're not gonna let you do it and I'm like just let me go in and talk to them. <laughs> No, what got what turned me was uh, Stargate. Stargate. The, the, there's a character there who's an archaeologist, and I thought, oh my god, that's what I want to do. <laughs> archaeologist on another world through a Stargate's even better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, what were some of your thoughts for Act Two? I didn't have an awful lot of. Well, well for one, I want to correct you, Hope. Actually. I'm what? sure that welder's mask that that that, that I'm sure that welder's mask that Kaz put on was a space welder's mask, so it uh -huh. had like Terminator vision on it. Uh -huh. It had probably had some sort of digitally enhanced thing so he could see. Cause... Yeah, that's true. <gasps> have you ever welded before, Chris? No, but I have had a welder's helmet on to look at a uh, eclipse of the sun before, and I uh, know... they are they do work. Very nice for they're, eclipses. They're awesome for eclipses, yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, they're, they're so dark because 
you usually have an arc welder in front of them yep. making about a like a mini sun in front of them so they have absolutely to be, so. and they burn like hell if they i have a scar on my foot from one <laughs> a piece of metal fell off and hit my shoe burned through my shoe this into goes my right, foot. Right, right through yeah <laughs> it goes right through to you Oh my gosh. I, I did do some welding in college because as a theater major, I worked in the scene shop. So I did learn how to use a TIG welder. It's, it's a lot of fun and makes you feel like a badass. Um, but oh, why don't you get a like a Rosie the Riveter job doing arc welding? Okay, I do have a story. Um, <laughs> well, for one, I, I couldn't actually go out and get a job because I didn't, I wasn't right, there to like, right. do a certification and I was doing like putting scenery together not like massive buildings there's a completely right, different right. Not, thing not osha yeah, yeah structure yeah I, yes. I couldn't do that um but my uh my, my buddy of mine katie who has a absolutely wonderful <laughs> i want to get make sure i get this name right because she just actually recently started a podcast which is fantastic john i think you listen to it uh uh magic and mythos yes mm-hmm I want to make sure I get the show right. I can never remember if it's Mythos and Magic or Magic and Mythos. It's Magic and Mythos, and it's Katie and her friend Amber, and they talk about the history of magic, and it's a very fascinating show. Um, Katie studied abroad in Wales for a little bit, and she found a very nice gentleman for a while there. They're not together, but that's fine. Um, but he came over to visit. And so they were coming to the scene shop. I happened to be welding, and so I finished the welding. I stood up. I was in my coveralls, and I, like, threw up my, my welding helmet, and he just stopped and looked at me, and I was just like, oh, hey, Katie, is this him? And she's like, yeah, this is my boyfriend. And I was like, hey, I'm home. And he kind of just saw me. He was like, that's the most badass introduction I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that's out of a movie, you know, flipping up the welder's helmet. <laughs> I was just like, Katie. And, and it does make you feel like a badass. Yeah, yeah, like, that's I'm like if you were in a Clone you were one of those like snotty kids in the clone, you know, they had the punk girl who was sitting up there like with the attitude and then you're in the back fixing the pipes and you're just like, glad to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it does make you feel like a badass cause you're playing with a tiny, like stick, sun. like a metal wand, a metal wand that shoots the sun <laughs> and you <laughs> melt metal together. It does make you feel like a badass. Um, I, I miss welding. I will say it it was a lot of fun, but it's it's very difficult, um, and it's very expensive. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway. Oh, uh, I only have two. Thanks for coming to Hope's Welding Stories. <laughs> They're few and far between. Oh, you know, if I had a welding story, I would have told it right at that point too. The, if you got a welding story, you got to tell it whenever you can. It doesn't come up that often. Um, yeah. I liked the the like star tour shuttle um, ships. I oh, love yeah. the fiery rocket sound they had when they took off. They had a nice like crackly rocket rocket ship sound to them that was really neat. That they, they seem to like in Star Wars. It's like a subtle touch in Star Wars whenever it's rainy because when. Um, Jango Fett took off in episode two on the off the rainy platform. It had the same sort of. So I was thinking, when it's when you're in like sort of uh, humid or where there's water around, like ships maybe like are a little sparkier. But oh, yeah. I just thought that was nice sound design. And my only other note is I was thought I was being smart, but I'd forgotten this episode, and I'm like. She only has to get four kilometers away. Why doesn't she just escape by water? Like, 
But I was thinking more on getting like on one of those like water speeders that they had and just like pulling out four miles and stuff. But somebody probably would have spotted her there. I don't. But yeah. But then I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. She did escape by water, so. That's all I had for part two. <laughs> oh my god, it's like you told the future. <laughs> yeah. I love um, Cass's uh, shushing, shushing Sonara. And do, do you see my big notes sensitive, of those, <laughs> those sensitive goodbyes? Sensitive goodbyes. <laughs> That's my big note of this. I, I love that scene on multiple different levels. Because <laughs> for one, it just shows like, what a, like, a little romantic like, you know, like, Kaz, like, back at home, like, we, we joked about this before, because we, we were talking about how he he probably grew up with these, like, very romanticized stories of the Rebellion, because um, in the, early in the season, he kind of almost looks at the Resistance, almost like it's, like, it's a cool social club, like, oh, you're Poe Dameron, you're Leia Organa, but he doesn't really know what that means until he's in it. In, and, in a story, he and Sonaro, and in, 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 it. It, it it is a story, but if like in his mind, like in the story, they would be they would be dating. You know, that's how there would be there would be a love story of how that you know, it's all you know. There's all the 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 way they met and everything is sort of set up like somebody that like it, with a young romantic mind like Kaz would be just like, what do you mean? This is how it's supposed to go. And now we're supposed to. This is like our dramatic goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just barking up the wrong tree. And but I also always love these scenes with Sonara as well because Sonara is just so practical. Like we have that uh, the whatever one that they they're trying to install the big thing, and she comes down to Yeager's thing. You know, like Kaz kind of thinks of everything almost like it is a story. So like she comes to Yeager's garage, and he's just like goodbye now, goodbye, and she just doesn't leave. And he's like, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> She's supposed <laughs> to be leaving. Um, and so Sonara's practicality, like, she's just so, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you being this? You are a dramatic bitch. <laughs> but I love you for <laughs> um, And I just love that, like, kind of balance of their personalities, because he really is this, like, kind of dreamer, head in the clouds, like, thinking of these, like, bigger things. And she's just practical. She's like, uh, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to go now. Okay, bye. <laughs> well, she's had, you know... She's yeah. had, even though she's that, just a little... That scene captures both of their characters so well. Oh, very well, yeah. <laughs> and I think another thing that really captures Kaz is uh, when he is... Whenever he's sneaking, he kind of puts his hands up, sort of like a puppy when they're, you know, swimming in water, and he's, like, <laughs> sneaking to tell Sonara some, the, the thing that he's been trying to tell her about. Yeah, it's like, almost like a Scooby-Doo cartoon. Or <laughs> yeah, something. and I have it in my notes. It's like it's very Scooby-Doo-like <laughs> whenever he sneaks around. <laughs> he that, he's, that... he also puts his hands out almost like he's trying to shush everything in front of him, just like shh, shh. Yeah, but that kind of does fit the narrative that he's sort of living these stories that he probably grew up with. Like I could just see him in his room back in his senator home probably not being able to go out a lot because of his dad and just having these stories, and that's all he had. Yeah, war and spy stories, but, yeah, they're never like reality. He's he's just one of the, fr- like, everybody there has, he, he like, I, everybody else's path there was probably a lot harder than Kaz's path. He wasn't, 
you know, I think he maybe sort of ended up there because he was probably getting a lot of trouble with his dad and stuff. And his dad's like, well, harden you up in the resistance a little bit and wonder. No, no, no. Dad. Remember the fr- no, no. Remember the first episode? Oh, that's his right. Dad his dad didn't, want, didn't want him to be in it. Yeah, he, but, he was like, why are you doing with those people? But it wasn't like something, you know, like with a, you know, with Sonara, something went wrong. You know, she she ended up with pirates instead of with her family. You know, living a normal life and. With everybody there, something happened to to get him there, or into a life of crime, or into a life on the edge of crime, and Kaz just sort of like, hey, I'm gonna go do that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so he's just stumbling <laughs> blindly, you know. He's getting better. He's he's uh, gotten a ton better in like the last like six episodes, but yeah, he's just Sonara just Sonara just stands there and like, I'm just gonna wait for this awkward moment to like, wait for him to be awkward and be done being awkward and... <laughs> that was kind of the point of the first few episodes which which yeah. was about Kaz checking his privilege yeah you know he came from a rich lifestyle he had to learn <laughs> episode three Kaz learns how to budget <laughs> well, yeah I mean yeah and that's the thing it's not about this isn't a show about like coming to grips with your destiny in the force or anything like that it's about like learning a work ethic and how to respect other people and trust other, you know, mm-hmm. just day to day life stuff, almost sitcom stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, this is like the Frasier of Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, made that joke, having never seen Frasier. <laughs> oh no. Oh my God, Yoda and his brother run a, have a radio show. <laughs> oh yeah. I know of Frasier, but I've never actually seen it. <laughs> I don't know if I've actually seen an episode of it. I've seen lots of Cheers. I don't know if I've actually seen an episode of Frasier. Oh, Are we uh, close, Jonah? <laughs> I, I definitely watched a good portion of it. I haven't watched it in its entirety. Whenever it's on TV, I definitely have. But, um, yeah, it's definitely worth watching. It's funny. <laughs> in its own way. Well, did anybody else have anything for Act 2 before we get into this and wrap this puppy up? I'm ready. I'm ready to wrap the puppy. Yeah. I'm ready for a little puppy wrap. I'm going to put the little bow on it and give little boogies. The Taco Bell puppy gordita. (gasps) Puppita. We we constantly try to wrap our cats in blankets to go, Perito. The girls want nothing to do with it. But Zeb is such a laid back cat. He just kind of rolls and he's like, this is my life now. (laughs) <laughs> oh, our cat! Our our cat enjoys totally enjoys being wrapped up in a in a blanket, like a little, sometimes like a taco, sometimes like a burrito. Sometimes she likes to be just like, just wrapped up with her head sticking out. Other times she just likes to have sort of a mound built on either side of her blankets. But excuse you, Chris, if you wrap up a cat, it's a burrito. Burrito, yes. Burrito. <laughs> Anyway, after <laughs> a gato dito. We're, we're the cast portion of this where we're talking about burritos, and, and John is the scenario, just like, okay. No, no. <laughs> I was just, I, I was just thinking about my cat, like when I, when I had one, and whether I, I did any uh, burrito stuff with him, but I don't think I did. <laughs> Zeb has two modes: laid back and don't touch me. <laughs> like, like, he'll be, like, so laid back, but if you touch his 
like fed out of his belly. He will he will wrap around your arm and you can like just pick him up because <laughs> uh. he's just clawed into your arm. He has two boats. So anyway, F three. <clears throat> so Kaz is cornered and he thinks the first order is about to get him and he's like, oh no, this is bad. I'm sorry, I can't see in this space welding mask because cat because Chris is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how welding masks work. <laughs> and he's like, but wait, this is a space welding mask, so maybe Chris is right. That's not important. Anyway, he hears the scuffle, right? And then the stormtroopers just kind of fall into the hallway into his line of vision, and then there's Sonara. Looking like a badass, twirling your wrench, just like... Girl, I just saved your life. And he's like, oh, that's really nice. We have to get you on a ship. So they run back to the shuttles, and they all take off without Sonara. And she's all like, no! And it's very dramatic. She like, drops down to her knees, and she's like, no! And Kaz is like, I'm the story person. You're taking my fire. Stop doing that. <laughs> but they need to get her off the ship, and they're running out of options. So they decide to go to... Best boy Niku, who knows this station like the back of his hand, but there's the station, and here's his hand, and there's the hand, and there's the station, and they are not the same. And Kaz is like, oh my god, Niku, please focus. So <laughs> they go to Niku, and Sonara's like, look, I need to get off this ship. And Niku's like, why? Everyone's welcomed here, even the First Order. And she's like, yeah, they don't like me. They don't know I'm a, you know... And he's like, oh, we're not talking about pirates. We're talking about aliens, right? We're both aliens, and they're kind of racist towards us. And she's like, yeah, we'll go with that. That's not what I meant, but that works too. Yeah, we'll go with that. Fine, whatever. So he's like, I'm going to get you down to the escape pods. Let's go. And they're like, cool, escape pods. So on the way down to the escape pods, they're found by stormtroopers. And they're all like, look, there is Sonara San. She is the pirate spy. And Niku's like, oh, you're a pirate? And she's like, look, you're sweet, kid. I am. But you're really nice. I got to get out of here. And he's like, you were always really nice to me, too. And we're friends. And you're Tam's girlfriend. And, of course, I'm going to help you out but to make Kaz sad because he'll never have a chance with you. But I will help you as Tam's girlfriend. And Kaz <laughs> is like, ow, Niku, right in my soul. Oh, my God. And Kaz is like, we need a distraction. And Niku is like, my time has come. I am going to say a swear word. My time has come. And he picks up a wrench and he's like, oh, Frick the man! And he bursts open a pipe and steam goes everywhere and he goes running and screaming and the stormtroopers follow him. And Sarah's like, Wow, your friend is brave. And Kaz looks so proud of Niku and he's just like, yeah, he really is, isn't he? And it's not a joke. It's a really serious moment. And I love it because, you know, Niku gets a lot of shit a lot of times. It's kind of a comedic effort. But to actually see Cass be like, my friend is a brave guy. That's a really nice moment. I'm only noting it here because I don't think it's in my notes. And it's a cool thing. And I just wanted to say it. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so Cass sends BB to take care of Niku. And BB distracts the stormtrooper. And he saves Niku and all is great. Then we get... The best scene of this entire episode. Sonara and Kaz get on an elevator. And it's great. Because they're just <laughs> sitting there with the awkward elevator music. And an OP pit comes on. And they're all just like, hey, buddy, you okay? And he's like, I'm not okay. I killed Stormtrooper Kevin. And then they took my, like, my floor sweeper and I'm having a day. I would just have a Monday. And Sonara's like, yeah, we're having a Monday too, bro. <laughs> you don't even know. And he gets off the elevator. And Kaz and Sonara just look at each other like, anyway. 
so they get to the escape pod and they open it and Sonara climbs inside and she's just like Cass thank you so much for helping me even though you know I'm a pirate the Colossus has opened my eyes and he's like I know it's almost what's, what's the dude's name Joseph Campbell and Joseph Campbell opened my other tab <laughs> Boy, you're in the Joseph Campbell soup right now, Hope. I am, I am. <laughs> I don't claim to be smart. <laughs> I'm not a scholar, I'm a Hope, and that's fine with me, everybody. Uh, uh, Joseph Campbell's pop psychology anyway. You're good, Hope. You're good. Okay, good, good. <laughs> all, all the like, other podcasters are like, we're making edge, Star Wars, but they're, and I'm, I'm very lovingly making fun of our friends, because I'm talking about, like, Brad and Sarah and Caitlin and Charlotte. Like, I'm very lovingly, like, poking fun at my friends, because I respect them all very, very much. <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, I was making a joke. Why was I making this joke? I lost my spot. Oh, they're on the Colossus, and Sonara's like, this is like the magical world of the Joseph Campbell thing, and Taz is like, I don't know what that means. This is Star Star Wars, like, we don't have a Joseph Campbell, fuck that guy. I'm gonna tell you all about it. I don't think Joseph Campbell's ever got this many laughs in his whole life. I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah, oh, fuck Joseph Campbell. Stupid. I made myself Hero laugh. Hero of a thousand so... faces. <laughs> <laughs> I made myself laugh. <laughs> anyway, cast Dick on a escape pod. I need a drink. <laughs> is, that <laughs> what, is. is that what Cass says to Sonata? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. He's like, hey, I'm all here to escape pod. I need a drink. <laughs> well, it's been a Tuesday, right? And she's like, no, it's been a Monday. He's like, I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> She gets shot out of there before the stormtroopers show up, and the stormtroopers are like, huh, at least Kevin died, so it's a good day. So, Kaz gets back. He just got back from Anzi, and Anzi gave him a sippy cup of whiskey. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's like, Tam, I'm sorry, your girlfriend left. And she's like, what? My girlfriend left without saying goodbye? I told her she needed a new phone charger, and he's like, she was uncomfortable with the First Order, and she's, and Tam's like, I don't understand, you know, I would, don't they seem perfectly, I don't know, and Kat, Tam, Kaz, I'm just, then you get a great shot at the end with Sonara in the ocean, <laughs> the end, <laughs> I'm losing it at the end here, <laughs> oh man, <sighs> the new format may be more fun, Hope, <laughs> I know, right, oh man, I'm just surprised I kept, like, three jokes through it, like, three acts worth of this. All right. <clears> Hi, <throat> huh, I'm good. I'm good. Hi, Jonna. Hi, Chris. Hey. <laughs> Ooh, what'd you guys think about three? I was going to Yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah, I just, I love how uh, Sonara ends up going to help Kaz, and it just reinforces how, uh, what Kaz believed all along, which was that she's a good person. So she her one-way ticket out of there she squanders it to help him and i just reinforces my love for her all over again <laughs> something i want to ask you about since you're here and um 
just so listeners know, this wasn't Jonna's first choice. We wanted she wanted to do an ep- a Sonar episode in season two, which was the one where she pretty much confronts her pirate family. Um, and that's already taken by another guest, so we'll get to them in that one. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask you an overarching question of what, why do you love Sonara's arc? And you can talk about season two stuff too, as long as it's not the final two episodes. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, for Sonara, I, to me personally, I mean, I love the show and the characters, but I think Sonara has the the best arc out of all of them, even Kaz. Um, because you see her start off as this pirate who just wants to blow things up. And the moment she gets on the Colossus, she starts to realize that what she had with the pirates is not the what she should be living. So I, I like that you have this character who realizes that there's more to life than the cards that she's been dealt. And uh, you see her work at it. In the, in the future, especially when she comes back to the Colossus and she does her best to protect her friends, her newfound friends. And uh, I like that she ultimately gets the point where she makes a decision for herself. And I, I just, I love the, I love characters like that where they learn more about themselves and uh, just find a new path for themselves in the end. And in a way, like she advocates for herself. Yeah. And I think that's such a cool message because, like, she realizes that she's in a bad place. So before, like, before she even, like, really comes into this kind of found family, she's, you know, something as as simple as, like, having a steady job. She's like, whoa. <laughs> Get a paycheck? That's and crazy. have to plunder and pillage? <laughs> yeah. And I, I like that about her story is that she advocates for herself first before, as she meets these people. But it's, it's. Selfish is not the way I mean this. Um, self-care is a better way. She chooses she yeah. her own self-care before she helps other people. and But because she chooses herself first, then she's able to help other people fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am a scholar, but I can say smart things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Sonara for sure is the best, I think. <laughs> uh, because I was just, I lost it towards the end there. I didn't really get to fully talk about that final shot. Um, that final shot of her just sitting on the escape pod is, we, we so rarely get kind of these quiet moments in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I love that moment because it's just her in the ocean. And it's kind of like the AP5 scene with him in space. Oh, yeah. With the animals floating around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's got those like gas, those little gas birds hanging around. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like that scene because it's probably been a while since she's kind of had that quiet in between moment. And I actually kind of wish the episode ended there, like on that shot of her just sitting there in the ocean with the birds before Kragen came and picked her up. And of course, I would probably, you know, I think the Kragen scene was probably for like little younger viewers. Like, yeah, she's not stranded in the yeah, ocean. Yeah, she's not still out in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I, I like that quiet scene because it's a moment to herself where you can see that she is already, like, not in a happy place. Right. And I think it's also a moment of reflection, like what I just left and what I'm about to go into, which is they're two very different settings, two different, very different, um, approaches, um, you know, on the Colossus, she feels more as a member of the community, whereas 
in the with the pirates, she's just another tool. Yeah, I was to... just gonna say she's Kraken's tool. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that kind of touching on what Chris and I were talking about last week about kind of the reverse found family. You know, like Kraken. We know in season two, Kraken raised her. Like that's her father figure, mm-hmm. and she now has this view of like seeing this other world where people actually truly do value her. You know, you had that scene last week where Taurus like, Sonara, you're our friend. Of course you can like come hang out with us anytime. Like you're one of us. And the looks on Sonara's face of just like seeing people who really do care about her versus people who are using her. And that that's why I like that Sonara advocates for herself. It's almost like stepping out of a like domestically abusive situation yeah. where it's stepping into this a much more positive setting. Mm-hmm. And that kind of look of reflection where she's like, I'm having to go back home to that. And it's not even really a home anymore. So true. All the Sonara feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris, what are some of your thoughts on Act 3? Um... I, I love the underwater shot. I love that you got, like, a shot of Bebo's mom just hanging out there. I know! Almost like a, like a little protector. My, my thought is, like, it's always this with escape pods. Escape pods are the most, like, without defense. You know, they're, they're a last defense, get off a ship. You, you just sort of sit in them and they shoot you out of the ship until, you know, someone comes and gets you. So... If the stormtroopers see someone shoot out of a of a escape pod, they know that escape pods just going in a straight line in a certain direction. Why don't they just head out after it? And you would think it would have like beacons on it and stuff because it's an escape pod. So I always, I it's always funny because that's always the opposite of how space pods are dealt with from right from the original Star Wars. So I can't call this as a continuity error or anything. But there, it, when you're like shoot out in an escape pod, you're almost just sort of like, okay, you're out of there. It's like Grievous running out in Clone Wars, you know, you're, you're, you're just out of there, and everybody's like, I don't know, we can't do anything. They got in a, an escape pod and, and shot away. I feel like escape pods is probably, like, one of your biggest, like, tiny, like, nitpicks of Star Wars. It's sort of a nitpick, <laughs> but I'll, I, I don't know. I don't, mi- I don't mind that being a thing. I think that, I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. It just, it's, it's, it's just there. Um, <laughs> Buffy the the floor slayer. I feel if he spoke English, he would he would talk like a little higher pitched version of Droopy Dog. Just Ooh. from the way his he was like, a little bit not as much like Eeyore, but just sort of that. I don't know, you know, just sort of Droopy Dog. I wonder if they did that on purpose. Can we talk about the elevator scene a minute while we're on that? That's my only other note is I love that we have some Star Wars elevator music. I was trying to think about it, and we don't often get, like, elevator scenes, you know? Like, there's that one with Obi-Wan and Anakin. Episode 2, yeah. And I know there's a deleted scene in The Last Jedi with, like, Finn and uh, Rose and what's what's that guy's name? DJ. There's, ele- um, there's elevator there's comedy in the revenge. original Star Wars. Oh yeah. They get in it. They get in an elevator and they're fa- they're all facing forward and the door opens on the other side when they get when they get to the top and they're like oh and like turn around. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, in Revenge of the Sith, uh, there's the scene where, oh gosh, Obi-Wan and, and Anakin, and Anakin are, are in the same, with the droids, yeah. in the same uh, Ra- uh, yeah. elevator. Riding the elevator up and down. Yeah. Rogue One also has an elevator at the very end with uh, Jin and Diego, yeah. uh, what was his name, I can't remember, Cassian. <laughs> yeah, he's only going to get a whole Disney Plus show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and they're mostly I, serious, so it's yeah, like a comedic one. That that's exactly what I was about to say. Like I I don't think we've ever had one played for laughs though, and I think that's what makes it so funny. Um, is just them both like sitting there awkwardly. They're just like, yeah, let's get away from stormtroopers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only other one I can think of that's like truly played for laughs um, is uh, Have you guys seen the deleted scene in the Last Jedi? No, no, actually, I haven't. So, um, in this deleted scene, um, Rose and Finn and DJ are all in their Imperials disguises, and they get on an elevator, and a, a, an, an officer is coming towards them, and like Finn's just like mashing the button as fast as he can, trying to get it to close. And then it closes right before the officer get there, and they all have this breathe a sigh of relief. And then the door opens behind them, and a bunch of stormtroopers come on, and they all have this, like, <laughs> oh shit look on their face so they're all on the elevator with a group of stormtroopers and one of the stormtroopers kind of leans in and like looks at Finn and he's just like standing there and <laughs> finally like Finn just turns and he's like do you have a problem with something and he's like you're effin whatever Finn's last name effin27 I think his name was he's like you're effin so and so and he's like yeah and the stormtrooper smacks him on the ass he's like woo way to go getting promoted man <laughs> I have no idea. It's so good. But it's like the scene is played for like half tension and then like half laughs. And you have this look of like, because like Rose is like slowly reaching for her gun and like DJ like touches her hand like, don't touch your gun, dude. Um, like there's there's a lot of layers in that scene. But I we so rarely see elevator scenes just like just straight up comedy. And, <laughs> and then OP Pig comes on and like he's griping and he's just like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> And I think that's another reason why I really love Resistance. It's serious when it needs to be, but it also doesn't take itself too seriously. And I think Star Wars in general tends to take itself a little bit, especially the fandom, takes it too seriously. And And that's why I really love that Star Trek is branching out into these comedic shows where it's like we're in space man let's have some fun <laughs> and I, you know, I I really want Star Wars to branch out into the, some of that as well yeah like that you know we've had several guests on so far and almost every one of them is like this show is pure and light and fun and that is like yeah like so much of Star Wars does take itself so, so, so serious and like what do we get in like episode 4 the very first one is like Han Solo just being like, I'm sorry, wrong color. How are you doing today? <laughs> it's it's not completely pure. In I mean, it definitely deals with fascism and genocide within, oh, yeah. within the, the story, for for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, God, let, so many people are like, oh, this is so kiddy. I'm like, no, just let it be fun. God. You know? like. Well, it is, drop- it is, it is, I mean, it is more than for kids but why why not you know i mean you have disney doing star wars why not have them apply what disney does well which is making it appealing it it, when they make when disney makes something for kids in general unless it's made for really really little kids it's made to appeal to everybody but like to all but to like 
definitely vibe with kids and that's and yeah that's what this show is and you know you might as if if you got disney doing it you might as well have them do something like this you know i I guess the more i watch the show especially with us going through it with a fine tooth comb i actually find the show just like darker than clone wars at times and darker than rebels at times like Mm. this is a very heavy show at times and i feel like the it almost the slapstick humor is a necessity to balance it out. Mm. You know, we have this episode where, like, aliens are being hauled off their home, and they're crying for help about their rights. That's dark. So that it, you almost need an elevator scene of awkwardness yeah. because, well. you know, like, like Obi Pitt just, like, you know, it's funny that he gets his floor super, like, taken away, but, like, that's a violation of, like, his rights, and, like, that's his. He owns that. That's his personal possession. And it's taken from him. So you almost need this, like, humorous ele- elevator scene. And I, I just, the more I watch Resistance, I just feel like it's a much heavier show. Than yeah, I, I think it's Clone a heavier show than I, I don't know, I don't know, Clone Wars <laughs> and Rebels, especially Clone Wars. But, well, Rebels got, you know, I mean, there's there's nothing compared to, like, any of the Dark Force stuff that, that, that Rebels got. And, and I mean... And, and, you know, I mean, Clone Wars regularly dealt with refugees and, and stuff like that. It's just... But never to, like, this depth. Like, you know, never having people like Kel and Ayla here for two seasons to explore refugees. Yeah, yeah, but it's not... Yeah, but it's also not... It's also removed from war, too. It's, it's, it's you know, it's an effective war. But, like, you know, I mean... In Clone Wars, you saw refugees leaving their burnt bi- villages, you know, or, or you know, their whole town get wiped out. Or you, you had, you had, um, you had the. Uh, there were a the, few suicides in that the, show the, too, and there so, was that, one, that I was just shocked that they had in there in the first place. There was there was a one scene where they tortured one of the villagers to death to make an example to the rest of the villagers. I oh, believe in yeah. Clone Wars. Yeah, you know, I wow, mean... Wow, I totally forgot about that. They, 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 they definitely got dark. I think this show started out a lot lighter, and once the, once the more realistic and dark elements showed up, it was sort of unexpected. It's unexpectedly... <laughs> dark and deeper than than you would think it is but i don't know if it it stands you know maybe with maybe with uh rebels a little more but like a lot less people a lot less people are gonna die in this in this show you know chris and hope chris and hope are gonna shut the fuck up so we can get jonah's input on this (laughs) oh no I, i was just going to say that i think resistance just shows it very it's it's like a sharp contrast like you see it in one scene and it switches to something cult, totally different in the next scene and it works well within that the, the series clone wars like how chris mentioned earlier it's like it's within the war so it's constantly you know um gloomy and and whatever because of its setting and what's happening there rebels is also like the dark times and it's like some funny things but it's not as sharp as it is in um oh my god in resistance where you can definitely see the the tonal changes from scene to scene and i think that i i think it really stands out for sure like what hope was saying in resistance because it's just so um noticeable the the shifts in the and what they're trying to portray 
maybe that's what it is because this is a show of this is a show of peacetime, and maybe that's why it really sticks out more because it's supposed to be a peacetime, right? And maybe it just feels extra heavy because the show is so so closely tied to so many of our real world things. Like, like I, I see the First Order, and it's just mirroring so much of like the rise of the alt right recently in our own culture in so many different ways. And I think that's maybe why it just feels so heavy to me, because it kind of feels like what's been happening in our own political systems and lives and governments recently. Um, so it's almost like, oh my god, I, you know, like I, I don't know, like it just, it, I, it just, I don't know, it just the show hits me differently than Clone Wars and Rebels does, and maybe it's because it is a peacetime versus two shows in war. And it's true what Chris was also saying about how it's unexpected. You know, you think you're going into a show that's just funs and uh, giggles and fun and whatnot, but it's well, it's more than that, actually. It's, it's peacetime. This is Star Wars. Usually everything's in a war setting. but it, So it's like sort of you're, you're, you're separated from the war, but this show is about also how you can't get away from it, even if you're on mm-hmm. the outskirts when when things start when war starts heating up it starts heating up everywhere and even if and you're if, in a remote you, outpost you're gonna feel you it don't if you don't fully address fascism it will creep back in on you yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's not an out of sight out of mind sort of thing it's going to show it's a rear head whenever and and, and, and things it's, are people have short-term memories in the star wars universe and it's had enough time that like you know, people, the the empire's been reformed a little, not really reformed, but it's, like, softened, and people aren't like, rah, the empire, you know? Some people are, but it's just sort of an undercurrent. It's It's gone on the back burner enough to where, you know, only a few people who'd been, gotten burned, you know, 30 years before are like, yeah, I, mean, oh, I don't like that's, don't That's like why this. it's so out of, out of sight, out of mind. Like, yeah. I, I think John was saying earlier, like, people don't tend to pay attention to stuff until it like actually happens to yeah. them and there are probably a lot of people on on the colossus who are like i came out here to get away from this sort of stuff <laughs> and you can't <laughs> and get away from it <laughs> and it's, it's interesting too, to think about it within our own timeline like the vietnam war was in the 70s and in the 90s you don't really think about it too much and that was just 20 a 20 year difference mm-hmm. so now here you have like a 30 30 year difference and people aren't really thinking about it until it's too late and that's uh, and I wish we could learn from our mistakes but we don't <laughs> yeah I mean something that I I can't remember if I talked about this on the show before but like I was thinking back to whenever I was in high school and I was in any US history class you know like you would spend the entire year learning about US history but when you got to the end of the year right before the school year ended we had maybe a week to cover like the 60s to present Right. So I actually don't have a really good yeah. knowledge of yeah. that because we just kind of ran out. Only of time. a couple and things I... happened in the '60s and '70s too. So yeah, you didn't. In the didn't, '80s didn't miss and anything. '90s. Well, I think we're getting right. worse at it because, like, when I was when I was growing up in the '80s, there was a a time period after. You know, I I I was really little when the Vietnam War ended, but when I was when I was like in middle school and high school. There was just a flood of of books and movies, movie Oscar winning movies about Vietnam 
None of them good. None of them pro Vietnam. All of them about how horrible it <coughs> it was. And before that, you know, the trend was after World War Two. There were World War Two movies, and like during World War Two, right. there were a lot of pro World War Two movies. But after World War Two, so I've always I always was under the assumption like that when we started doing like having adventures in the Middle East that about like the mid-2000s that there would just be tons of movies about that and how horrible it was and it never happened. <laughs> there I were a couple movies about movies. that. Yeah, like, yeah. like the, the Hurt Locker. Locker. The Hurt yeah. Locker is one of the only ones that really oh did. Oh my god, what's the... the um, uh, Three Kings. Orlando Bloom was in one. But we're even then kind of seeing it, like I've... Um, our buddy Suara, that was actually on the, the show a few weeks ago, like, he's constantly talking about, like, the representation of black Mina people in media. Yeah. Um, and ever since, like, the like the war in the Middle East and stuff like that, like, there's been a negative slew of that. He's very good about talking about that. Um, and, and Iron Man actually has that. Iron Man had Iron a little Man, bit. Uh, but... Wonder Woman in uh, 1984. Um, like, I, he wrote this wonderful thread about, like, here's all the mistakes of that. Um, but so like it might not be as like a slew of movies, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening. I mean, I, I, oh, it's happening, but it's not. I mean, I I just can't express. It was almost like uh, it was its own genre, like the uh, the Vietnam movie was almost like, you know, you were guaranteed three or four of them a year, and you know the the gritty horrible story of you know, and you had just huge Full Metal Jacket, the Apocalypse Now. Um, the deer hunter that mm-hmm. like people were just talking about all the time and talking about Vietnam and the plight of Vietnam. Rambo, Rambo was wonder... a, a Vietnam pheno- a post Vietnam phenomena. I wonder if like the difference why we we don't have it as much now is because of the rise of social media. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with we we have a volunteer army and not like well, uh, a draft. Let, let me let, let me finish my point too. Um, because also now like with the rise of social media like we're more aware of, like, why these things are not okay. You know, like, why these portrayals are harmful. Like, God, just two months ago in Atlanta, like, because of certain people talking horribly about Asian people, we had eight eight people killed here in Atlanta, uh, six of them Asian women. And, you know, like, we see these cause and effects, like, that are happening, and it's very... But when we were talking out of sight, out of mind, that is until someone kneels on a black man's neck for nine minutes for the world to see. And we're seeing it now. And and so I'm wondering if that like that's why there's – I'm not saying that there is a change, but hopefully there's a change starting to happen to where we're more aware of these kind of stereotypes and why they're harmful. Right. And then just to go back to the show, like the lack of education, I hope I remember you mentioned how – you know, Kaz doesn't know how to fight <laughs> or how to how to shoot. And it's because it was purposefully, you know, we're in a peaceful time. It's not necessary. So you have this group, you have a new generation who are just not aware of what's happened before. So things are going to are bound to repeat themselves. And you and you see that happen in this show. I mean, one of the things that shocked me the most in The Mandalorian, to be honest, was seeing a school like a sorry, kids in school. Because oh yeah, that was shocking. I mean, Wasn't I it? But it's th- then I thought to myself, well, I guess it's gotta happen. But I, I swear to God, that school and Hope probably didn't pick it up because she's not a Star Trek fan. But we got a Star Trek watcher here. That school 
felt more Star Trek to me than it did Star Wars. It did it, feel Star Trek-y, and, yeah. And it was very nice and Star Trek-y and like, lounge, like a nice little lounge or something, but I thought to myself... You have to. You would have to have schools of some sort for kids and stuff in Star Wars. It was just but, uh, weird do, because we've we never broached that at well, all. Well, do, Dewey, because Trace Trace says like she couldn't afford to go to any schools, and the people I remember like saying like Kaz comes from money. He went to an academy. I remember Padme in one of the Padme books. She was like, I went to this university, but Padme's family has money. But then we have people like the Martez sisters, and yeah. Trace is like, I'm not no, going was, to any school. There was and a then cut, Star Wars, cut scene. The Wars. There was a cutscene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah, yeah. That's right. She had her old boyfriend from from college in Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, and then, um, wait, Lux? No, Padme. Uh, oh, Padme. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, Padme. I was trying to hear both of your conversations, and I think there were two different things, and I was like, I'm so confused. So, and and she talked can... about it in a cut scene from episode two with Anakin. She was like, well, I had a couple boyfriends in college and stuff, you know. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jonna? Oh, not just in Star Wars The Clone Wars, we saw Ahsoka teaching a class of Mandalorian children and trying to teach them, you know, the poli- how politics work and whatnot. And, um, but yeah, you don't really see it often. And I think it's, it's a lot, everything in Star Wars comes out of what we have presently and what we've experienced before. Like, there are a lot of inner city kids that don't get a proper ed- education, whereas you have, other kids who are getting the best education that this country has to offer. And so, you know, you see that reflected in Star Wars, where there are some kids who are just, you know, just learning how to read probably in that class and not anything else about the history of where they live or what's happened with the galaxy. Yeah, I, I, I often wondered, um, watching the show when it came to Tam, because um, in, in a couple episodes, we're going to get her, like, talking about her grandfather and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I have to imagine that Tam was probably homeschooled. Like, she talked about how her father moved around um, as a racer and stuff like that. So she was probably more than likely homeschooled. And so um, I, I think the education system in Star Wars is potentially a very fascinating thing. I it could be, that. like, a very virtual thing. It could be, yeah. It, 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 it Like, I could see that, like, there being, like, with a classroom like that, like the, the, the natives on a planet, like the, the like the classroom we saw in The Mandalorian going, the nat- you could have a storyline where the natives are growing. I don't like that they're teaching everybody galactic standard, you know. I want my kids growing up, teach, you know, learning whatever the native language of, the you know, the tension between that, you know. Because mm-hmm. you see, they just plunk down a baby Yoda in the middle of class, so they're like, okay, we'll teach anybody. So they got to be te- like, what sort of is it standardized? It's sort of a droid, so you think maybe it's some sort of standardized, you know, multi-planet thing. Yeah, it's it could be really interesting and complicated. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wish there was a series about it or something where it explores the various standards they have for teaching. <laughs> I really do, because it's interesting, that kind of world building. Yeah, I mean, Padme's upbringing in a school would be very different than, say, like, Hera growing up in Ryloth in a wartime. Yeah, you know? save, save by the space bell. We need to save by the space bell. <laughs> from across the galaxy are all here to learn about Star Wars, but oh no, who is going to take them to the prom? Oh man, all oh, the possibilities. Oh my 
God. Space, I, I, space screech. I recently was uh, down in Florida watching my niece and my nieces and nephew, and they were just binge watching Victorious, and I was just like, "Oh Lord." <laughs> no, no lie, no lie. I actually really love that show, even though it's very problematic. <laughs> You know, but I enjoyed it anyway. I, yeah, like that was the thing because I I watched it when I was younger too. But like seeing it like as a 33 year old, I was like, I don't remember the show being so problematic. Oh, <laughs> you you you. Oh, you you sweet summer children. Uh, yeah. Come back, go back to the media of my youth and watch it. Dario and I were watching an old Bill Cosby and the Cosby Kids well, episode just, about just about Bill pornography. Cosby. About the Cosby kids being, you know, the kids, another kid going, hey, look at these magazines and talk about, talk about just let, just take away the whole Bill Cosby-ness of the, the present time. And, oh, my God, what a mess. It was a wonderful episode to talk about because it was just landmine after landmine after landmine. Anyway, I'm going to bring us back because um, I just looked at the time. So did anybody else have any thoughts about Act 3 or the rest of the episode? I think um, I got all mine. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, just Sonara's quote about being here. Being here being here has opened my eyes to so many things. So I just I really love yeah. that she's realized like that, that that's the first step to change you, being aware of what you need to change there's a silent scene in there where kaz is just like yeah i know you're a pirate but you're good where you see her you see the, the effect that has on her you see that right. that's like the bit a big moment for her there that she was just like oh my god i was so worried that they would find out that I'm a pirate and they don't even care and that and that's like a huge moment for people and you can and it's just silently goes by in there but it's yeah it's just a such a big moment mhm i just wanted to note that like niku is the best boy i love the scene where he's like the station in my hand they are not the same like the station in my hand the station i get here like i love that scene <laughs> i adore that man i love him <laughs> yeah like niku is wonderful but I, I do also like you know niku finds out Sonara's a pirate and he he does the same thing that kaz does he's like oh well i'm still gonna help you because you've been nice to us Mm-hmm. And it just kind of reinforces what Kaz said earlier about her being a good person because Niku is like, we, we, we talked about how like Niku is kind of like the population of the Colossus, like he kind of represents that. So however Niku's feeling is how everybody is feeling on the Colossus. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's just the, like, oh, like we get riffraff here all the time. You're welcomed. And she's like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we don't have anything else for the episode, Nine out of uh, nine out of ten. Out of ten. Just kind of gave a preview of my Getting score. Getting ahead of yourself, Hope. <laughs> I know, right? Um, on a scale of one to ten, Jana, what would you rate, rate this episode and why? Oh man, why? Um, <laughs> uh, I would rate it. Um, oh gosh, I you know I, I just rated a ten out of ten because it just. It's one of those metal stepping stones that Sonara has to take before she gets to the final stage of, of who you know, of her personality, of who she becomes. So like I I just love the episode for that and and everything else that makes Star Wars resistance, Star Wars resistance. So I think the ca- this captures um all the things that I love and more. So yeah, definitely ten out of ten. What about you, Chris? I'm giving it an eight point five 
Virgin, uh, I was torn on a nine. If it was a little virgins, like, did you just say eight point five? Verging on a verging on a nine. No, oh, not virgins on a nine. <laughs> this show is a virgins. A, a chasms. Oh. Yeah. No. Um. I like. I was getting. I was. I was leaning towards. Actually, leaning towards an eight because I was like, this is all good story. I'm missing after the last couple the lush, beautiful visuals, but then Act Three came along, and just that shot underwater shot alone was enough to push all my visual buttons. So, ah, uh, you know, I I could give it a nine. I'm gonna give it a nine, in the spirit of. Yay! of um, I, I gave it a 9 out of 10 as well. I actually, this is one of my favorite episodes. I love this episode a lot. The plot is thickening. Sonara and Kaz's stories are moving right along really well. But I, I think where this episode really shines is really bringing in that tied to our real world element while also still balancing it with humor and wits. And as John said, this is a very resistance episode and it's solid. It's just yeah. solid from beginning to end. And you can... It's doing it's doing some work for the future for the near future. It's that like it's very Filoni verse like where it's like, okay, we got everything established. We're starting to get, you know, everything tied into each other and deep in everything. Now the shit just got real. You know, so far, it's, it's like making a bed. You know, so far, we've had, like, the sheet and now, like, the weighted blanket just came on. Yeah, so no, you can this kind is of feel Dar- the weighted Darth blanket. Showed up. Of, yeah, like the weighted blanket is starting to like calm down At least a little it's bit. Not a wet blanket. <laughs> and it's still snugly and good. I, I want a weighted blanket. <laughs> I want to own one, man. I want one so bad. <laughs> I'm going and wrapping up my cat in a blanket after this after this podcast. Um, well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Um, we're not doing any Facebook this week because we do have a lovely guest here, and we are running a little long. Um, but feel free to still give us feedback. We would love to hear it. We would love to hear your Yoda questions. So if you have questions for Yoda, please send this in to us. And you can also send them to me on Twitter, too. Um, oh, I guess oh. on Twitter. Hmm? we're not eating candy today either, but... Also because we have a guest and we can't share the candy with her, and also because we're out of candy... But the good news is, Hope, I spoke to Dario last night, and there's more candy on the way. Hooray! By the way, uh, Jonna, further down, um, our guest, last guest, Sarah, left us a wonderful photo that now just lives there, lower in the document, and it's all the characters who can and cannot say the word fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Just to bring that to your attention. Nice. Yeah, I I, I just briefly went through the first couple of pages, but I definitely did not see that. Well, feel free to cite. You can, you can, you can. That's that's our that's our um, graffiti wall. Yeah, graffiti wall. That's the word I was looking for. That's like in the backstage what? where the bands hang out and they sign the wall. So if you feel like writing, yeah. writing your, you know, Jenna Maria was here. <laughs> yeah, Sarah started. And we'll stay there. Every other guest will see see that you were here. We'll be reminded oh, of you cool. forever that's in our sweet. notes, even I'll even through. Even through the Mandalorian and and going forward. <laughs> yeah, because I just copy and paste notes from week to week and just yeah. like change them, so that just uh, lives there now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Until it gets like twenty pages, and then I might have to take it. Down. <laughs> but... All right. Then we'll, we'll just save it as a PDF, and yeah, and we'll start it start anew. 
we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it as a, we'll save it as a, a picture and then we'll stick it on there and then we'll have more room. The only bum is a bummer out on this is that Sarah started it. And so that means our very first guest Suara is not able to add to this at the moment. And I'm just like, Oh no, <laughs> sorry. I didn't get to write on it. Oh, you can send, so. you can send him a link to and, it and have him sign anyway, it. Anyway. So Jonna, where can people find you? Yeah, so people can find me um, at on Twitter with the handle at Blue Jake Eyes, and they can also listen to me and my mom talk about Star Wars on the Geeky Bubble podcast, which is on Anchor FM. Where can people find Maria? Oh yeah, mom. <laughs> my people can find Maria at. Whovian 214 because she's a big Doctor Who fan. Mom? 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no false alarms. He's not here. <laughs> Gotta be careful what you say. He's got big ears. Ah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our website that holds all our podcasts, including this one. And uh, you can sign up for our RSS feeds there or at Apple Podcasts, I guess. it's. I always want to say iTunes, but it ain't iTunes no more. We're dinosaurs and old. Yeah, we, we were talking on Skype right now. We had to call the operator. I said, operator. Give me Hope Mullinex 243. And she goes, putting it through, sir. And she stuck a little pin in a hole in the... And then another pin in another little hole there with a wire connecting to him. And then Hope and I are talking on the telephone machine. We're using our rotary Skype. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, let's see. What else? We were also on Facebook. We got the Two True Freaks podcast on Facebook where we post all our shows up. And the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of a forum to hang out on. Yeah, so come on over to Facebook where all the old people hang out. But if you want to think young, we are also on Twitter. And Twitter is... Even that's getting old because all the kids are on TikTok now. I know, I know. We're not... Yeah, I know. I have it on the reality shifting TikTok, man. I have TikTok on my phone, but I've never used it before. It's a phone thing, and I don't have a phone. You know, TikTok just doesn't seem like something that's made to pull up on your browser. You know, let me pull up the browser and see what's on TikTok right now. (laughs) All those kids, they're in they're in Hogwarts (laughs) where they go to bed. (laughs) Who would have thunk? Um, but. Our Twitter is run by the other ever youthful voice of the voice of youth, Gene Gene, the youth mach- the youthful machine. I'm oh. trying to make this sound like a child's doing it. Oh, that was creepy. That was like Marilyn Monroe singing "Happy Birthday, Mr. President" to John F. Kennedy. Gene the podcast machine. Happy birthday! Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, One, two, jeans coming for you. Three, four, better lock the door. Oh my anyway, gosh, no. That's it's a, too late for me. <laughs> but that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? <laughs> oh, jeez. You can find me at jguys on... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing now. You can find me at Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinex on Twitter. 
Um, Chris and I actually have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. Um, we are in the process of finishing up Gravity Falls uh, at the moment, and then Chris is about to start watching Avatar The Last Airbender for the first time. So that will be coming up very soon. And I also have my website, geekygirlexperience.com, where I've actually written a lot about Resistance. Um, I love the show. I, there's so much to write about, and I adore it. So you can check us out there. You know what I just thought? I, I just seem to remember, like, the last time the last time when we had you and Mom on here, what was what was happening was we're finally at that time, Hope, we're, where we, we would be doing a show, and Resistance was playing, but we were doing Rebels. And yeah. uh, and we would start talking about because I remember a l- feeling a little deja vu during the show today, and I'm like, we were probably t- starting to talk about some of this stuff with resistance because we knew you guys loved resistance, and we and and I was probably going, hope, hope, we gotta, we're gonna get to resistance eventually. Yeah, yeah, probably. Now we finally got there. Now we can. Now we. I feel free to talk about it. <laughs> Well, Jonna, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I was happy happy to do it, and I had a lot of laughs, so thank you. And also, of course, give Maria our love. Like, tell Ma we love her. Like, that, like honestly, that woman means so much to me. Like, I just, I love your mom so much. Uh, we, uh, we'll do, we'll do. We, tell her we what I was your... looking for. <laughs> we have your uh, stitch right above of our, right above our mantle, so we look at it all the time. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, I just, I... You know, like, she, she was so, like, when, when my nephew passed away, like, the fact that, like, Maria checked in with me, like, om- like almost every day for, like, a couple weeks there, like, that that really did mean a lot to me, um, and, like, she just, she really helped me get through that really difficult time, just, like, having Maria there, just kind of, like, reinforcing me, like, so, like, really, like, Maria just means a lot to me, so please give her my love, so. Will do. And not that you don't either, you made a ton to me, too. Oh, uh, no, of course, I do <laughs> I don't want to be like, oh, Maria, but like, like you just—I mean it when I say like you're one of my favorite people in the oh. world, and I'm so excited that you're you're back in, you know, back on Twitter and stuff. And I, people, you know, people actually came to me and they were like, do you know what's going on with Jana? I'm like, people missed you, man. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm very thankful for everyone's uh, very sweet messages. So I'm I'm happy to you know tweet about Star Wars again. Sometimes you guys gotta take a break because this fandom sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Star Wars fandom on Twitter. Yeah, take it mental sucks. health breaks for <laughs> sure. Constant, you know, fire everywhere. <laughs> on one hand, like that's that's really true. Like it's on one hand, like all of us are the guy with the pizza running in, and everything else is on fire. We're just like, oh, at least we got pizza. <laughs> anyway. Guys, come back next week. We're going to be talking about the new trooper, so you'll get to hear my Steve Bloom theory again, because I'll forget that I talked about it in this episode, because that's just how I do. I don't claim to be a scholar, but I can tell you about Uda. <laughs> bye, guys. All right, bye, everybody. <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. 
We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Go home! Go home.